Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. I was out in the foyer, and Strad and Josiah were walking towards me, and they stopped. And Strad looked up at me, and he said, Pastor, what are you speaking on this afternoon? And I looked at him, and Josiah said, I'm speaking on parents spanking their children. And they both looked at me with this very serious look. I know Jamie and Amber just cringe right now. Okay, where is this going to go this time? (laughs) So, So they both look at me, and then I said, in fact, I'm preaching on Parents need to spank a lot more than they already do. Josiah looked at me and said, don't do that, Pastor. (laughs) He was just as serious. He just associated, don't don't do that. No. All righty. Velvet, if we could start with our review slide, number 16. Okay, yeah, back up one. Yeah, okay. I I said this morning that you can raise great kids. I know there's a lot working against you, but you can raise great kids. There were some great kids raised in the Bible, and they were in hard times too. You can raise great kids. It's being done all around. Now, sadly, it tends to be the exception rather than the rule these days. But to young parents, I want you to know you can raise great kids. By great kids, I mean kids that love you. And love the Lord. They respect you. They respect the Lord. Great kids are kids that have manners. They, they know how to behave themselves. Great, great kids are, are, are unselfish. Great kids know how to conduct themselves in, in, in properly in, in, in the right situations when situations come up. You can raise great kids. Kids that, are, that, are, that have good goals. That, that want to do well in school, that, that want to contribute to society. They, they have high aspirations, whether it's, whatever their vocation may be or their calling may be in life. And they don't want to live off of society. They don't want to be on welfare. They don't want somebody to pay their way. They want to have the liberty and the right to make their own way, to have a fair chance. You know, nobody owes them anything. They just want the opportunity to, to work hard and profit from their labors. And they're, they're, they're self-disciplined and they're, they're, uh, they grow up to have integrity. You can raise those kind of kids today. And that's being done. And key to that is found in Psalm 127, verses 3, 4, and 5. And like I said this morning, there's lots of Bible verses on how to raise children. But these three, I think, can serve as the foundation for all the others. And of course, in building anything, if you don't get the foundation right, nothing else is going to matter. It's going to all crumble. You got to get the foundation right. So these verses are foundational. This morning we said, very quickly in review, your children should be viewed as a great blessing of God. Verse number three, low children are in heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are not a burden. They are not an encumbrance. They are not an accident. They are a reward from God. Secondly, we said this morning, 
Your children are to be viewed as given to you by God to be reared for Him. It's not left for them to find their way. They are to be guided. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of thy youth. And we acknowledge this morning, this can be maybe the greatest challenge of your life, to raise up godly kids. But it is the most rewarded uh, endeavor you can ever pursue. So, number three, your children should be viewed as a great blessing when raised according to God's will. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, and they shall be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And I explained what that meant this morning. Now, this afternoon I told you we're going to try to make a practical application of this. Okay? How do we do this? How do we pull this off? So we're going to look at a practical application this afternoon. So we're going to look at verse number four. Of those three verses, I want us to focus on verse number four. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of thy youth. So our children are compared to arrows. And we know that you have to be careful with arrows. You have to aim the arrow in the direction that it wants to go. And that direction is under your control. And so it is with children. You have to aim them in the direction you want them to go. It's not for them to decide the direction, regardless of what liberal society may say. No, God gave them to you that you might aim them as an arrow in the direction they're supposed to go. Now that requires some consideration. So let's look at this quote. Children are compared to arrows. Now we know that sticks are not by nature arrows. They do not grow so, but they are made so. You following it? By nature they are naughty and rugged, but by art they are made smooth and handsome. So children by nature are rugged and untoward, but by education are refined and reformed, made pliable to the divine will and pleasure. The Lord is comparing your children to arrows. Arrows have to be carefully constructed and carefully cared for and carefully aimed. And that's the image the Lord wants us to have with children. So if we think about children as arrows, this teaches us three practical things. Number one, it takes force or effort to make an arrow. And as we said this morning, it's going to be the greatest challenge of your life to raise children. By the way, I just thought of this. If you need more practical help on child rearing, We have in our library here a video that I got from Focus on the Family that has some of the best practical advice for child rearing, I think, that's available today. And Jamie, you're from, is it like a three DVD set or something, or is it one DVD? It's several, several, okay. And and it's in it, they produced it in a very interesting way. It's not just some you know, guy up there giving a lecture. uh, They use cartoons and different things. And it's a lot of the practical stuff, kind of like, when do I know to come down hard? Or or when when do I need to to be more understanding? And and basic things like that. So if you would like 
that you, you can borrow it from the church and you can see me or you can see uh, Brother, Brother Jamie. But number one, if we're going to continue with this metaphor, it takes force to make an arrow. It takes, number two, focus to aim an arrow. And number three, then, it takes faith to release an arrow. That's what you're looking at. These three things, when you're talking about raising your kids to grow up to be great kids, it takes force. In other words, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some energy. It's going to be hard work. It's going to take focus. And it's going to take faith then to finally release the arrow. So let's look at these things real quick this afternoon. We'll be out of here. Number one, it takes force to make an arrow. It takes effort. I like this quote, arrows do not grow of themselves. They have to be wrought out with much thought and care. So our children. So from a practical standpoint this afternoon, I would say to you parents, make your children your priority, not other things. Not other things of less importance and of less consequence, but make your children a priority. And that's going to require two things, time and teaching. You're going to have to relegate yourself to giving them time and then to teaching them. You have to schedule time as a priority. If you don't schedule it, if you don't emphasize it, before you know it, they're going to be grown and out the door and suffering the consequences of your lack of attention. Schedule time. Early morning is a wonderful time. I mean, if you can, now some men have to get up early and they leave out of the house. So there's, there's, you know, there's some flexibility here with what I'm sharing with you, but I'm just trying to give you some ideas. Early morning is a great time to interact with kids. They just wake up, they walk into the living room or whatever, sleepy-eyed. There should be some quality time with your kids during that time. If not then, then certainly at bedtime. What, what, a, what a great opportunity at bedtime to spend some, some quality time with, with your kids. Helping them with their, with their schoolwork. That should not be something seen as a drudgery. That should be seen as time given to the kids, interacting with them. Chores. Giving them chores and, and working with them on the chores. Being at their sports events. We had a, this goes way back to when I was coaching down in Louisiana. Coached this guy. Uh, his, well, I better not give his name because some people listen to this. But anyway, um, this, this kid uh, was, was involved in our sports teams. He wasn't very good at, at any sports, but he was on the team, usually second or third team. But he was there. He was faithful. He was, he was into it. And as I recall, his parents never attended one game whether it was football, basketball, or, or anything that we did. Whereas other parents, boy, they were there. They were on the sideline. They were cheering and what have you. And th- this kid's parents were just never there. They, they could have been. For whatever reason, they chose not to. They were members of the church there, attended the same church. that He was in the church there. But for whatever reason. And some years after we left and we're up north here, found out that, you know, whatever happened to him, talking to uh, contemporaries of his down there in Louisiana, and say, well, did you hear he ended up in jail? No. And I don't know if there's a direct correlation there, but I do know this. Parents showing that lack of interest didn't contribute to him staying out of jail. I don't, I'm not going to blame them for him being in jail, but I don't know that that contributed to him staying out of jail. Being involved, getting them involved in sports and being there with them. You, you don't want to make sports a god by any means. You don't want it to conflict with church. Church should always come first. 
But, you know, that's just a way to interact with them. Uh, Playtime, scheduling time with them on the weekends or during the summer, getting away on a vacation, getting away on camping trips, uh, devotional time. Uh, One of the things I appreciate about both my boys and their families uh, in the evening before they tuck the kids in, they'll sit down on the floor in the living room and they will have a devotion time, and the kids sit down there with them. And again, dads, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to prepare a lesson. You know, you can just maybe read a verse from Proverbs, some practical verse, and just talk about it for a second on a level that the kids, you know, can, can relate to. And, you know, just, and another thing it does, that starts to settle them down for the night. You know, you're getting ready to put them in bed. You don't want them going crazy and then, okay, go to bed. You know, that kind of, it's a practical thing here that that devotional time starts settling them down. Okay, now we finish, we pray, we're off to bed. You know, you, you can get the kids involved. Tell us of a blessing that you had today or do you have a prayer request? Devotional time. But giving them time, giving them Time. I appreciate parents that work hard. I appreciate dads that put in lots of hours. But it should never be to the neglect of children. Time. And then teaching. Remember, it takes force to make an arrow. It takes effort. It takes time. And it takes teaching. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher or a preacher to be a teacher to your kids. You don't have to have a degree in education. You don't have to have a degree from high school to be able to teach your kids. But always looking for those teachable moments. Understanding how important that is. Being alert to teachable moments. When they make mistakes. Some parents just fly off the handle and they just start waylaying on their child. And the child has no concept of why, what's, dad's just, or mom's just, you know, flying off the handle. How sad is that? And I'm not again, I'm, I'm for corporal punishment, and we don't have time to go into it today. It needs to be done. It needs to be done right. It needs to be done limited. If you're having to spank your kids all the time, something's wrong. Spanking is certainly of the Bible, but uh, of necessity, it really, if you're doing a good job, it, it should be rare. But nonetheless, when they make mistakes, have it, have, take the time with them to have them think through it. What did you do wrong? Why are you in trouble? What could you have done better? When they do well, using those moments as teachable moments. I am so proud of you. You did a great job. I saw you run and you opened the door for that lady as she was uh, coming in the restaurant. And let me tell you how proud I am. of you. You're showing respect to your, to your elders. And mom and dad are just proud. You know, using moments when they do well as teachable moments. Or, or when they witness events. You know, you, you're, you're at a restaurant, and, and, and you see some child, you know, f- up climbing on something, he falls down and gets hurt. You know, there's a teachable moment. What, wh- why is that child crying? Why is, why is their mom and dad embarrassed? Look, look at what happened there. Can you tell me what, what he did or she did wrong? You know, or you see some other child just being very polite and very kind at another table. You, you know, you just use these as teachable moments, and that's part of our responsibility. So, It takes force, it takes effort to make an arrow. And two key ingredients there are time and teaching. Then number two, it takes focus then to aim an arrow. I like this quote. What is our aim for our children? The arrows will go where they are sent. How many parents there are who have no worthy aim for their 
children. Our focus is to aim them towards faith in God. And I think there's two things here that parents need to be mindful of. Number one, that they mold them, and number two, that they model for them. Mold them. It says that children are like arrows, and you have to focus with an arrow. So in molding them, you have to be intentional in building their faith. You know, I I don't understand some parents. They will make their kids take a bath. They will make their kids brush their teeth, make their kids eat the vegetables. Come Sunday morning, it's up to them whether they want to go to church or not. The most important part of their life is made optional. That just shows an ignorance on the part of those parents. To mold their faith, you have to be intentional in building their faith. How do you do that? You have them in church faithfully. You encourage friendship with godly kids, and you do not allow friendship with ungodly kids. And it's up for you parents to be discerning, to do your homework, to know who their potential friends are, whether they are godly or whether they are ungodly. Well, if, 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 my, um, if my brother, whose kids are unsaved, undisciplined, unregulated, if they want to invite their cousin, my child, over to their house and I don't let them go, they're going to be offended. Sharon and I have faced that kind of stuff before. They'll just have to be offended because I'm aiming an arrow, and that's going to get them off course. We're, going to, we're not going to be ugly. We're not going to come across as holier than thou. We're not going to say, well, you know, your child does not measure. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being as polite as you can. No, not tonight. That's the, it's just not good. And, you know, and if they want to get down to the nitty-gritty of it, you just may have to sit your brother or sister down and say, you know, you have different values that contrast. Now, they're not going to like it. They're not going to be mad. But who, where's your allegiance? Is it to the Lord or is it to unsaved or backslidden family members? So you encourage friendship with godly kids and don't allow friendship with ungodly kids. Now you teach your kids to be friendly towards everybody, to have a heart of compassion for everybody. But the Bible says a companion of fools will be what? Destroyed. So, you know, we, we, we just, what we need today, folks, in churches more than ever is just courage. Just the courage to stand up for what is right. And don't be haughty, don't be proud about it, but I'm talking about whether raising our kids or whether you at work, you know, more than ever, we need people who are willing to be courageous. Uh, molding them. Speak well of church and the pastor. This happened many years ago up here. I, I met with a couple, lived down in the Rose City area. I don't think they live there anymore. If I call their names, 99 Point nine. There might be one or two people that we even know. I don't even remember their names, as a matter of fact, so I couldn't call their name. But they were having problems with their kids as their kids were now in their early years of, of college. And they were very concerned that their kids were drifting from, from the Lord. And it seems like I had gotten word that these parents were in church faithfully, but they were always being critical. Critical of everything. No, but they were in church. But they criticized. And I brought that up to these parents. And I said... As you were raising your kids, you had them faithfully in church. Yeah, we don't understand now why they're not in church. And, you know, it's a real burden. And, and I said, as you were raising them, were, were you constantly critical of the pastor, 
decisions, the way this is done, the way this is done, and whatever. And to their credit, because a lot of people would just be in denial. People that are proud like that are just in denial. To their credit, they both hung their heads down and they said, do you remember that, Sharon? Do you remember that couple at all? This was 23, 24 years ago up here. And um, I remember it because, you know, it verifies my concerns. And, but to their credit, they, they said, yeah, we have been. They said, boy, they said, we blew it, didn't we? And I said, you've you got to be careful. I mean, why, why do they want to embrace something that you're always critical about? And, and, you know, we could all pick each other apart, you know, if we really wanted to. So it's not that their criticism wasn't valid, but it, it certainly wasn't smart to be doing that in front of young, impressionable minds. So, one, if we're going to, fo- to focus the, the arrow in the right direction, we have to mold them, and we, we're intentional. But then we model for them. Demonstrate for them what a mature Christian faith looks like. And that's pretty simple. A mature Christian is faithful in church. A mature Christian finds a place to serve in church. A mature Christian demonstrates honesty, integrity, and morality. A mature Christian does not get on the phone and call work and says that I'm sick, I can't come in today with little junior sitting there listening when you're really not sick at all. You got to be faithful. You have to serve. You have to demonstrate honesty, integrity, and high moral values. And I think maybe most importantly, let them see the joy of the Lord in you. I've seen some people overreact. They want their kids to grow up loving the Lord so badly that they are so stern, so hard-nosed, so legalistic that the kids run from that the minute they, they get out of high school. They, they run from it. Yeah, there needs to be rules in a the house. There, there needs to be um, regulations and standards and, and what have you. But there should also be a joy. Your, your home should be the happiest place around. It's where your kids love coming home to. And where when they're le- little, it's almost a nightly event that they're down on the floor wrestling with, with dad. Uh, and, and, and mom is over on the side saying, okay, don't, don't get too rough, don't get too rough, house. And you, and you know when the wrestling ends, right? When somebody gets hurt, right? That's when, you know, okay, party's over, you know, junior's crying now. But, you know, and that points to the, the battle, you know, dad wrestling with the kids and mom on the sideline saying, you guys go easy, go easy. That's a balance that these kids need. They need that mom and dad in, in their life. Um, this past week when we were down in, um, or over in Wisconsin, we were asking some of the people, the church there, said, what, what can we do with the kids while Matt and Christy are going? And uh, one of them suggested, well, go, uh, go down to the zoo. Madison uh, has, has a pretty nice zoo, and it's free. I heard free. I said, hey, yeah, count me, and that's, that's something we can do. And so we, we went to the zoo, and it, it's, a, it's a pretty neat zoo. And uh, we went into the uh, aviary. Isn't that where you call it, where birds live? Okay, and, and they had some birds behind glass, but they had some other birds. And they had all these trees and waterfalls. It was really cool. And they had these birds that were just flying around. And we're walking down the path through this, like, rainforest. And there at the end, it was just us in there, our family. And down at the end, there's this parrot sitting on the rail, rocking back and forth. He's big old bird. 
And so Carter, our grandson, he, you know, he's all boy. I love that about Carter. He starts walking up towards that parrot. And the parrot's just out there. The parrot, you know, could swoop on him and eat him. So with that in mind, Nana, she'll be known tonight as Nana. Nana says, Carter, don't get too close to that bird. And Carter stops and he did the right thing. When he heard Nana say, don't get too close to the bird, he looked at Papa. (laughs) I said, Carter, see how close you can get to that parrot. (laughs) I got it on video if you want to see it. So he looked at me and Nana's over there, Carter, you be careful. I said, see what? Now, I wasn't going to get close to the parrot. No way am I getting close to that. He's a big old bird. But Carter, he's, he's inching up to him, and that parrot's just rocking and rocking. I said, scoot on, see if you can touch him, Carter. See if you can reach out and touch him. And he gets right up to him, and that parrot goes, whack! <laughs> I said, Carter, you better get back. I said, we don't want to call your parents and tell them that you got eaten by a parrot. That would not go over well. But, you know, it takes focus. So we have to have the energy and the mindset and the resolve to both mold these children, looking for teachable moments and encouraging the right kind of friendships, having them in church, and model for them. I heard this saying years ago. I don't know where or from whom, but I've never forgot it because it's so true. We teach a little by what we say. More by what we do, but most by who we are. And that doesn't mean, parents, you have to be perfect. You know, uh, a a gentleman that was visiting this morning came up to me after the service. He said, Pastor, I've got regrets. He said, I I wish I had it to do over again with, with my children. And I said, guess what? So do Sharon and I. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, if you're a parent in this room, if you had to do over again, you'd, you'd do it different. And you shouldn't beat yourself up over, over that. Uh, but, but for these young parents that are hearing this, you know, you, you need to embrace this. And, and you need to uh, buy into this. And the Lord will bless you for it. So, uh, under, understand this morning, it takes force, it takes effort, it takes focus. And lastly, number three, it takes faith then to release an arrow. At some point, after you draw, at some point, you release. That can be a real challenge for parents that love their children. It seems like yesterday, we were pulling out of Bob Jones' campus with tears in our eyes, leaving Jeremy behind. And I remember like it was yesterday, turning to Sharon and saying, where did the time go? But there does come a time when you release the arrow. One writer said, as parents, we want to keep our kids safe, protect them from pain, fix their problems, make their decisions, steer them in the right direction. However, there comes a time when we realize we aren't in control anymore and have to accept that our children's futures are in God's hands not ours. We parents of grown children have come to realize that at some point in time, our roles change. And if you don't understand that and accept that, it can be very frustrating. Our roles change. I can't send Jeremy to his room anymore. 
you know, I, I, I can't tell Matt, don't get up from the table until you finish your green beans. They're not children anymore. Parents have to understand their changing roles. At some point, we go from being the disciplinarian to the advisor and to the intercessor. The advisor and the intercessor. We have to understand that. It's not always an easy transition going from disciplinarian and their authority to the advisor and the intercessor. But you eliminate a lot of frustrations when you just accept that's the way it is. The Bible says they leave and then they cleave to their spouse. Our roles change. I am now an advisor to my three children. When we let the arrows go, our roles change from our being our children's disciplinarian to being their advisor. And I'm very thankful that my three children do call me when they have important decisions to make or they're contemplating something or they're just thinking about something or they need somebody to talk to. I am grateful beyond words that they will will call me. The blessings of having two sons as senior pastors. I mean, I, I get phone calls from Matt or Jeremy almost daily. And we're, we have the privilege of, of talking shop. But my role now is an advisor. It, it is, and I have to understand that. We have to back away. But, but our role also now as an intercessor. When we let the arrows go... We intercede for them in fervent prayer. We pray for our children. Pray for Matt. Pray for Jeremy. Pray for, for Aaron. Those are basically our roles now. Advisors and intercessors to praying for them. Uh, parents are all the wiser when you realize at some point in time you let the arrow go. And at that point in time, When they want your advice, they'll call you. And what you can do for them is pray for them. Let me conclude with a couple quotes. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, I remember a great man coming into my house at Waltham and seeing all my children standing in the order of their age and stature said, These, pointing at his children, these are they, talking about his children, that make rich men poor. Said that. He's being critical of all these children. But he straight received this answer. Nay, my Lord, these are they that make a poor man rich. For there is not one of these whom we would part with all your wealth. In this last quote, a man never feels to have lived in vain when he leaves a respectable and well-ordered family behind him. For that to happen, you have to buy into, appreciate, and claim as your very own Psalm 127, verses 3, 4, and 5. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of thy youth. 
happy in spite of all the hard work and the difficulties and the challenges. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.